It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the general manager of God Country, Texas, 770 KAAM. And I'm sitting with my attorney, your attorney, or should be your attorney. His name is Michael B. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. And, uh, you know, we just made the introduction, and you said God Country, Texas, well, I think of our Independence Day uh, celebrations that we're having now, and so I think that's appropriate that the uh, your logo uh, has country in it. It's funny you'd say that. Uh, we didn't we didn't talk about this before the program, but I said to my sweetheart last night, um, those two words may be synonymous one of these days. The way things are going, I said to Sarah, I said we are the United States of America. We're going to maybe become the United Countries of America, and that all 50 states are going to become countries if this craziness continues. And maybe Texas will be one of the first, probably after California. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but if we're a series of states, maybe Michael will be a series of countries one day. <laughs> well, Texas was, as you know, one of the six flags. Texas was a country at one time. Right. So, um, uh, uh, I don't know. Sometimes we may feel like a state's rights that we might want to declare our independence, but I hope we, <laughs> uh, of course, remain as we are. I hear you. I couldn't agree more. I said Michael B. Cohen because his name is Michael B. as in Boy Cohen, um, but it's also representative of today's program because he wants to talk about a story about, about a man named James Brown, the singer James Brown that many of you know about, who recently passed away. 14 years ago, and it's taken that long to get his estate worked out. That's how chaotic and crazy it was. And Michael wants to talk about that today because it is a fascinating story. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people know James Brown, the godfather of soul. And um, uh, he had a will. So that's, you would think, okay, well, he had a will. So what's the problem? Well, first of all, let's kind of give a little bit of history about James Brown. Uh, as you know, he grew up in poverty and, you know, became a multi, multi, multi millionaire. They say that his estate may have been as much as $100 million or worth as $100 million. Wow. Of course, when there's $100 million, there's a lot of, a lot of people who are looking at that uh, and including uh, different family members. Uh, he was married three or four, and I'll tell you why I said or four times in just a second. Uh, and and he had nine children um, from the different marriages uh, or relationship uh, at the on the last marriage. Uh, and um, so there was a different stakes here involved, uh, different people who were interested. 
as well as his on um, his will, his major beneficiaries. Remember, I said he grew up in poverty in South Carolina. So, in his will, the majority of his money was to go help uh, needy and poor children in South Carolina and in Georgia. Hmm. So, the charities were the remain were they uh, were the major beneficiary. Well. Enter the children, and in particular, the fourth, quote-unquote, wife. Was she a wife or not was part of the dispute. Now, initially, um, you see, if the will was not good, then it may go by airship. So first, the, the first, at first, there was an alignment of children uh, with the, quote-unquote, fourth spouse, who I'll call um, Tammy. I'll call her Tammy. Um, now, uh, Tammy uh, had a child with a relationship. Uh, uh, she was married to James Brown in 1997. Um, the, um, the problem, uh, if you have a not a valid will, then it may go by laws of intestacy. Well, if it's laws of intestacy, who wins? The spouse and the children. So they were aligned as opposed to having it go to a charity to say that the will wouldn't be good. So how would you say that the will would not be good? Well, quite frankly, uh, James Brown had a history of some drug problems. And so the first thing that they may have attacked was to say that he lacked mental capacity when he Hmm. signed the will. Interesting. So, yeah, so they tack that. And then there's also the question of, was there any undue influence? So normally, when and I'm not a liver, uh, litigator, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but normally litigators look at and say, uh, what are the ways to attack a will? Did somebody uh, uh, know what they were doing? Or did they know the bounty of their affection when they signed the will? Sometimes, um, you know, there's a question as to capacity. A lot of times we have a doctor sign an affidavit swearing that there's enough capacity uh, when they when there's a question as to whether the person knows what they're doing or not, particularly when somebody has some dementia and we're concerned uh, at that point as to that capacity. Uh, so uh, we have the doctor actually sign an affidavit, says, okay, I examined so-and-so at the same time we signed the will. At the time I examined that person, they knew what the bounty of their affection, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can do that with other documents as well. Well, anyway, uh, so they kind of aligned at least initially uh, because they would say if the will's not good, then they get, you know, to split up all that money between them and the charity doesn't get uh, anything. All right. So, or you could argue undue influence. So we had, uh, um, oh, gee, I had somebody last week and I said to them uh, they were going to come in with their mom to sign a trust. Uh, and I said, you know what? Uh, and there was, I could tell that there was some dysfunction in the family. And so I said, well, you know, maybe mom should come up individually. And certainly you should, if that it should, you shouldn't be even, you certainly shouldn't be in the room. Uh, if somebody did come uh, that we could be a potential problem, really, they shouldn't be in the room when, because then there would be the argument of undue influence. Sure. So let's say that the member of the charitable organization was there uh, at the time that James Brown signed his will. Uh, then um, you know that may be an argument of whether well, was there undue influence. 
So typically, undue influence, fraud, just, uh, just um, duress, uh, capacity are the typical arguments that probate litigators seek to make sure that a will is not good. And so that's what happened here initially. But that part was determined that he did have capacity. So let's go on to the next thing as who's the beneficiary. Well, the the children were beneficiaries. The children from the three prior marriages were beneficiaries to some degree, just not as much as it would be under the laws of intestacy. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you didn't have a will, they might have collected more instead of the charity getting the majority. Um, so um, how the question then becomes um, uh, what rights would she have? She was not named as a beneficiary at all. They, I'm talking about Tammy, the fourth quote-unquote wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what rights would her child have? That would became another question. So the fourth wife, again, uh, under South Carolina law, where James Brown was from or lived at, lived at the time of his death, uh, there's a law called an elective share. So even if the wife was cut out of his will, she would get a portion of his estate under the laws of that state. It's not that way in Texas. Hmm. There's also federal copyright laws. A long time ago, as you may know, and a lot of these artists, whether it be Tom Petty or some of the older artists, they would sign a contract uh, that would say that they would get hardly any royalties uh, or copyright um, um, rights to the songs that they had created. And so the the companies, like the record companies, made all this money, and the artists made nothing, and are very little comparatively. And so Congress, about uh, 37 years ago, created a law that they could have what things called termination rights, which do not go by your will. Hmm. So if you're the relative that you may have these termination rights on a uh, potentially a, the estate of a like a James Brown, or Tom Petty was another person who had uh, rights that that after 35 years these things just come into play because it was uh, the law became effective 37 years ago and he had to be have to wait at least 35 years in certain situations to be able to have these what they call termination rights for various uh, let's say songs that you wrote. And so that was that goes outside of a will. So there's federal laws on copyrights, depending on if you're an heir, whether you have um, termination rights to be able to collect on those um, on the artist um, works. Mm-hmm. So so now the this is important for her to determine the fourth wife that she is in fact the wife. And you say, well, what do you mean to determine if she's the wife? They got married, didn't they? Yes, but there was one thing that she forgot to tell James Brown or that she secretly held from him, and that was that she had previously been married at the time and never got divorced from James Brown at the time of marriage. Whoops. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just forgot to tell you that. Uh, so, (laughs) So... the, so now, of course, there are laws in the United States against bigamy. Can you be married more than once? When you're, and the answer, of course, is no. 
And so was the marriage valid? Well, after shortly after um, they had been married about three or four years, and so what she tried to do was to say, well, um, my first marriage should be I'm asking for an annulment. From, she was married to a guy named Ahmed from Pakistan. She alleged that Ahmed just got married to her just for a green card. Mm. You know, these things happen. And actually, yeah. he had three wives in Pakistan. Oh, my goodness. So, he, so, now, <laughs> so now she said, well, I'm going to court, and it went to the appeals level, and say that those, my marriage to him wasn't good because he was, had bigamy. Right. And wow. at the, at the, okay, so now, <laughs> yeah, we can make a mini series out of this thing. Yeah. Um, the, so we had the situation is, well, was, was her marriage good? Can, and if it was annulled, could it be that it was a valid marriage to begin with? All right. And so at the mid level, I'll call it the appellate level, before it reached the Supreme Court of South Carolina, they said, yeah, I mean, if he was married, his marriage, must, her marriage to him must not have been good because uh, the, the fact is that he was bigamy there. And he can, she couldn't be married, but that was done after the marriage. Hmm. And so, so at, at, the, at the appellate court level, they said, yeah, it wasn't good. It was annulled. But it was annulled after there was a marriage to James Brown. In the meantime, at, shortly thereafter, uh, there was a bad relationship went uh, south. Tammy, by the way, was a backup singer for James Brown. Uh, and... Uh, uh, anyway, that's who he married. Uh, so, um, the, and she had a child, again, like I said, with him. Okay, so now the question becomes to the Supreme Court of South Carolina. Um, so the Supreme Court says, well, one second, how do you, you can't annul something after you've already been married, so your marriage to James Brown was not good. And he had even had an agreement with her that says, you cannot make a claim against my estate. I, you, this, you, you have signed an agreement that says you're not entitled to these rights. Notwithstanding that, uh, originally the appellate court said, well, since the marriage to Amadek was not good and since you got an annulment, he didn't respond, by the way. He's back in pa- he may have been back in Pakistan. I'm not really sure. Or maybe he's living someplace. He wasn't contesting anything, um, you know. Uh, and she said, "Well, that was it was just a marriage of convenience." But is it still a marriage? Well, I don't know. Again, the question is, can you have more wives? You know, it reminds me of um, uh, you know the pop. This my family. They were watching a show called 90 Day Fiance, and uh, one of the people on 90 Day Fiance uh, was married to somebody in a. I forgot a, a country in Africa, and uh, the question was, well, he may get, in his country, it was common to have more than one wife. So it's just different in the United States. We have different cultures, obviously. So the, the bottom line was, should, should, that, should the marriage count or not count? And so it makes a big difference because um, the amount of money, not only as far as the elective share, so, again, in South Carolina, if she was a wife, and even if she was cut out of the will, then she would get a portion of the estate. 
but also on these termination rights. In fact, she made a deal without telling the other nine children. So she made a deal with the record companies behind the backs of the other heirs and said, okay, I'm going to sign on five of the hundred songs or whatever it is that James Brown wrote. I'm going to give my termination rights and got well over a million dollars without telling the, the others who were less informed about the termination right provision under federal copyright law. So there was another lawsuit in California <laughs> on the wow. copyright issues. But, yes. so, yeah. so now you had the probate courts in South Carolina first determining that the will was good, that there was no fraud or undue influence, etc. So that means that the will would be good initially. And then... Um, then the question became, upon appeal, was the will good because um, was there a right for her to be entitled to an elective share because if she was a spouse or not? And was she the spouse? Well, it depends on the way you look at it. Uh, at, the low, at the appellate level, they said, yes, that they were married, even notwithstanding her agreement not to make a claim on the estate. Um, and then the other issue was the copyrights, which go beyond a will, because an heir, a spouse would be an heir, if there was no will, uh, would have certain termination rights because of the federal law regarding copyrights, because of artists who were getting, um, uh, getting you know, very little based on their own artistic works that were, uh, you know, maybe many years later, uh, you know. This um, recently, there's been some different, you know, there's different rights that you have, and this is not to be political here, but um, you know, like on these different campaigns, there are different songs that people use of different artists, and can you do that without the consent of the artist? And it depends. There are certain situations. There's like public venues that there are certain uh, songs that you could do based on. Uh, uh, certain arrangements, but generally you have to get the uh, approval of the artist. And that whether Democrat or Republican, a lot of times they do things without the uh, approval. So like on the, uh, for example, in the uh, Tulsa rally for President Trump, uh, the Petty, Tom Petty estate, since I just mentioned Tom Petty, they said to cease and desist because the president used, I won't back down, um, uh, on his uh, at his campaign rally without the permission of the estate, and also the Rolling Stones and Prince have also uh, also asked for cease and desist. But this happens on both Democrat and Republican. So I'm not trying to be uh, political here. I'm just saying that there are rights that the artists have under federal law, and perhaps as part of the estate as well. Uh, Don't forget so, that I um, I run a uh, radio station up in Rochester, New York, Michael. And uh, it's an all-music radio station, and it's a golden oldies radio station. And I know all about these musical rights and copyright laws and um, these licensing companies, which is, um, uh, which is um, CSAC, which is um, uh, BMI, ASCAP. Yes, and there's, exactly there's new one, on. There's new ones now, too, that, um, that come after you for streaming rights. It's not just airplay on the radio, but streaming lights. Michael, you have to pay those music license companies just to play 
um, uh, an artist music on hold at your business. That's how bad it is. So everybody's got their hand out, and it's not just the artists. It's the writers. It's the composers, as well as the music license companies that have their hand out wanting a piece of the action. And I've been paying hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years to these companies just to have the right to play their music. And the argument goes on forever. Well, wait a second. And this has been our argument. If it weren't for the radio station, you wouldn't have this promotion in the first place. Well, their argument now is that there's Pandora, there's XM Sirius, there's all these other ways to promote the music. So they don't need us now, whereas before they did. And consequently, we now have to pay them more than ever, even before 1972, there was a law that said that you couldn't, you didn't have to pay anybody anything uh, for any of the music after uh, or before 1972. No one knows why. Now they're even going back farther and say you have to pay for music by Doris Day, Elvis, The Beatles, um, Herb Albert, you name it. So it's it's an ongoing thing, and I know why this made James Brown's estate much more complicated. Yeah, now that's exactly what's going on, and that's exactly, actually, the companies that you mentioned and what I've been reading about are the ones that are trying to protect the interest of their, of the, like you say, their constituents, and that is the musical artist. And, and of course, you, like you said, from way back then, I mean, people would die to get their, you know, you see all right. these different movies where the, yep. where the young artist said, please just go to my, go to the record, to the uh, radio station, please play my music. That's how people hear about it to begin with. And that's right. what makes it popular to begin with, which is exactly what your argument is. And But somewhere down the line, Congress said, well, a lot of these people just didn't get hardly anything with the way should, they should have deserved because they got taken advantage of by the record companies. And so, yeah. you know, like you said, uh, there's these rights uh, based on federal law. And in this case, Tammy, the quote-unquote fourth wife, if she was a wife, would be able to stand and benefit through the collections of these different types of companies that uh, uh, are through different rights, having termination rights by uh, because of basically federal law, like you just mentioned. Yeah. So that's why it became so much more important to be considered a spouse, even if she had been cut out of the will. And yep. so, um, yeah, so the what ended up happening, by the way, was the Supreme Court of South Carolina, after 14 years of litigation, to determining whether the will was good, to determine whether she was, in fact, the wife, they decided that they you could not annul a prior marriage after you're married. Wow. So, therefore, the good news for the charities, in this case, yes. is that the charities should be the beneficiaries, which is what the intent of the godfather of soul desired at the very beginning. I guess at this point, I'm not sure if he says, I feel good, uh, after all this 14 years of litigation, to be able to go to his the ones that he wanted things to go to, kind of reminds me of you know reminding of his children. I mean his childhood, kind of like you think of the old uh, uh, Orson Welles movie Rosebud, reminding him of his children, of my childhood, and how things in this case how he wanted things to go, and that is the way he came up and to help those who were less privileged. So you've heard it all or at least you thought you've heard it all until Michael tells you about James Brown's estate and what a mess 14 years later. But here we are. Are you going to have those kinds of issues? We highly doubt it. Um, but all estates can be very complicated 
all of them. And that's why uh, God made the Michael Cohens of the world to evaluate them and point you in the right direction. And the first step to go in that right direction is to attend Michael's next workshop, and that is on Saturday, July the 18th at 10 a.m. That is a workshop that is done online, so it's a virtual workshop, um, and you don't have meaning you don't attend in person, just like Mike and I are doing this show, uh, not together, but um, over the telephone, the old-fashioned way, because of the virus, and we need to keep the social distancing in place for now. But this is the same thing. The workshops are done online. And, Michael, uh, in about 60 seconds, tell them all about the workshop. Yeah, we make it very easy for people to attend, by the way. We, we, all you do is kind of click on a button. It's very simple. Uh, but to, to attend the next free estate planning essentials workshop where you ask whatever it is that you want to know about estate planning or wills or probate or trust or Medicaid benefits or veterans benefits, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up on, online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, we also do offer um, the ability to have a one-on-one vision meeting uh, where we can look at your own estate planning documents if you should have them, uh, and we see if your goals are being met. So to, to do that, again, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's Saturday, July the 18th at 10 o'clock online in the comforts of your own home. So dial that phone number or go online, Michael B. Cohen, Dallas attorney, and um, you'll really benefit from this workshop or any of them for that matter. They're very helpful. It's two hours of free estate planning discussion or government assistance discussion, and then another hour privately to go over your specific circumstances. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 